Hello and welcome everyone to episode 34 of the VGC Trainer School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake, and I'm joined today by three excellent co-hosts. We have John, Tyler, and Will. Thank you guys so much for coming on today. So, John, first off, welcome in. How's it going? It's good, Jake. Yeah, I've I've been working a bit with uh with Flygon Man still on his team, and he uh we were running some matchups the other day because he laddered really high with the team, and then he got absolutely squashed in the tournament, and he just realized he didn't have the skill <laughs> to get through his matchup. He had the team. He just needed some help with the with the skills. So I've been like going back and forth with going with some fun teams on the ladder and going on with some like, I need to improve my skill kind of teams on the ladder. Okay. Any skill in particular that you are looking to improve upon that you're picking teams based on? More like making safe plays versus making really aggressive, greedy plays. I feel like there's a lot of instances where I will make unnecessarily hard reads on stuff. And I'm, yeah, I'm just learning that sometimes clicking helping hand plus a spread move is actually a very safe play because it controls for like every switch somebody could do, for example, or clicking, you know, follow me trick room rather than like a thousand of the other variations if I'm running a trick room team. Is just the safest thing I can do because I can flex once I'm under trick room. So, yeah, it's just like making the no brain plays versus making the thousand IQ point, uh, one thousand IQ plays, especially on the ladder. If people don't accept team sheets, it's hard to uh, plan for stuff when you could be running into Terror Bug Fluttermane and just not realize it. Yeah, that's it's always out there. You got to always be wary of the bug main uh but cool uh thanks for coming on looking forward to talking more later about some of that uh, practice and stuff like that that you're doing and welcome back of course to the podcast will how are you doing what's going on i'm doing good um not much is going on i have not been playing a lot of pokemon i'm not going to world so i haven't been playing too much i don't think i'll have any events in rigti um i'm still trying to follow along and make sure i know what's happening i played my requisite games to get their master ball for the month which was pretty fun but not too much overall cool okay so kind of just like taking taking a little little break but you know keeping up with it here and there basically yeah i like i kind of went on a sprint leading up to hartford so i've been pulling back a little bit since then and i'm probably gonna do the same thing once worlds ends so yeah. right now i'm still kind of enjoying being on break figure i'll get a little more into coaching and stuff after worlds because right now surprisingly a lot of coaches are busy who would have thought <laughs> right so i'm like it's not really the right time right now i'll just kind of mess around a little bit here and there do other stuff and then kind of devote myself a little more fully in the next month or two cool okay very cool and last but certainly not least welcome back we were trying to have you on last week but mother nature had other ideas tyler how is it going it is going super well, Jake. Thank you for um, bringing me back on. And yeah, I definitely apologize for not being on last episode. Thunderous decided to click Wild Bolt Storm into my breaker box. You know that saying when you talk about a person and it's like, um, it's it's mildly insulting. And it's like, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. Well, in my case, 
um, everyone was home, but the lights were not on. I had no power for a couple hours. So I, uh, I went to YouTube on my phone and learned how to be an electrician really quick. And so I just, I had to figure all that out, but you know, it is what it is, but I've been doing really well. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of laddering, uh, not too much. So I don't overload myself. And then I have been doing a mind boggling amount of draft league prep with you, my partner in crime. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. I've definitely, definitely enjoyed that for sure. And, uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been a, a really really fun season so far. Only you know a couple games in, but I think it's gone gone pretty well. And uh, you know only only four more weeks to go, but it'll be here before we know it. But yeah, it's been fun. Certainly glad you're back and that uh, nothing beyond just the breaker was and like the the actual box and stuff like that was was damaged in the lightning because that stuff can be nasty. But cool. Uh, yeah, for me, other than that, uh, draft league stuff as well. Playing a little ladder here and there but nothing on cart just kind of all on showdown trying to do weird stuff still playing with you know random double battles nothing major there that's kind of been kind of been like fun to do just like on the side but then other than that just playing other video games honestly i started playing golden sun the other day on a uh totally legit rom that i have on my phone and um that's been that's been cool to get back into that you know i'm gonna save the world with isaac Alrighty, so let's get into the agenda that we have for this episode today. So we do have some news to get to, of course. Then we are going to do our meta check-in to look at a recent Poker Bros tournament from this past weekend. And then we're going to get to the topic at hand, which is essentially answering the question, what do I do if I'm not going to Worlds? Because... About, a, about 400 people have qualified for Worlds, and I think there's at least twice as many of those people that aren't going. So there is a lot that you can still be doing either to improve upon what you already have or just take a break entirely. So a lot to get into there. I think it should be more of a fun topic to discuss. But speaking of Worlds, let's get into the news with some unfortunate news to kick us off can you please do so will yeah so unfortunately the yokohama open has been canceled this was going to be the first event of the 2024 season i believe it was taking place of day two of worlds so it's kind of like the event everyone was planning to go to if they didn't make day two or if they were just spectating worlds they were planning to go to this but canceled no details have surfaced to explain why unfortunate overall hopefully too many people didn't plan travel purely around being able to go to this event that was canceled with like two weeks notice because that's a real bummer yeah it's unfortunate and like there's been kind of quite a bit of outcry about it because there aren't very many details that are going on so hopefully it's nothing you know bad or anything like that and it's just that they just didn't have the the bandwidth to be able to do so because they are putting on a ton of other events that we've discussed in the past like a cruise or like a you know cruise ship is going to be in the harbor there that you can go on to. So, you know, I think they I'm hoping that it's more so they want people to enjoy the other festivities that they have and not focus on the tournament as opposed to they're just canceling it for whatever reason. But yeah, and I know also I've seen on Twitter that people are saying the open itself is a very weird format and not a great event overall better than no event so it still thinks that it was canceled but i think the whole thing kind of needs to be rethought in the future or at least like not announce it ahead of time yeah <laughs> unless they're definitively sure that it's going to happen because people have already bought tickets and stuff like that to, to go for travel so yeah definitely 
Okay. Well, speaking of things on the horizon, John, can you please take this one? So y'all thought that we just had a gastrodon and a little sushi, but we have so many more gift Pokemon for you. There is a dark Terra Charizard, not like in raid battles, but just as a mystery gift that you can get using the mystery code dark Terra 0006. That is dark Terra three zeros and a six. The Charizard is based on Freed's Charizard from Pokemon Horizons, the new anime. And it's also based on one of the the Dark Charizard EX from the new TCG set that's coming out soon. So you'll have until August 31st to get your own Terra Dark Charizard. I think it has like Crunch, Belly Drum, and a couple other physical moves. So if you're like a Belly Drum Charizard fan from like Gen 3 OU, get it while it's hot. It also doesn't come in like a cherish ball or anything. It's just like a normal Pokeball. Oh, okay. I didn't know that it had belly drum. That's cool. That's actually, that, that is actually kind of neat. I'm sure that some PokeTuber will make a video on how to use Dark Terra Charizard. Also, do you guys notice the mystery code? The, the, the uh, It's Dark Terra 0006 because there's now over a thousand Pokemon. So that's like the official number of Charizard. I don't know. That just seems weird to me because I've always seen it as 006 because they've had three digits since the very beginning, but now having four digits worth of Pokemon is kind of wild. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, that's just the Pokedex number, but... I didn't even put that together. So no, I did not realize that. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So not just Charizard, but also another Pokemon is coming as well. A shiny Grimmsnarl. The code will be given out on July 28th. This is going to be for like world celebration, sort of. Uh, this is the Grimmsnarl modeled after the one used by the 2022 Thailand national champion, Chayawat Triwicha. The difference is that their Grimmsnarl had burning jealousy. And since that doesn't exist in the game anymore, it's likely to be replaced with spirit break or something like that. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. We were talking in the pre-show that they're giving out a Grim Snarl that has a that had a move that no longer exists, and they're just swapping it in. So they could have given out a Rillaboom bef- before that just didn't have Grassy Glide on it. But speaking of Rillaboom, our last news item, Tyler, please. Absolutely. So this is just a gentle Rillaboom reminder for everybody out there that the um, Terranormal Mighty Mark 7-star raids will be happening this weekend. Um, that is July 28th through the 30th. Um, and they will be happening later as well, uh, August 4th through the 6th. I don't know about you guys, but this seems like a great use for Annihilate. What do you think? You can't Rage Fist on this guy. So yeah, we can still Drain Punch no. up Yeah, but punch. Drain Punch is like going to take forever. That's fine. I got time. <laughs> Annihilate will not be denied. We'll find a way. It doesn't. It just doesn't stop. Yeah. Watch uh, it have like acrobatics and just crit your Annihilate every time. Yeah, probably. We were talking before. We think it's probably going to have like body slam and acrobatics or something. Maybe probably boom burst too. Maybe grassy glide. We never know. That's what that's what Jack and Shinobi were talking or uh, Tony were talking about. That it could have it, this could be the first one with Grassy Glide, which would be cool. But cool. That is the news. So let's swap over to our meta check-in with Nino's tournament, um, the uh, friendly fight from number number seventy-one from this past Friday, the twenty-first. 
quite a few less people were registered for this one, down from the over 500 he had in number 70, down to about 150 for number 71. We do have some data here from LabMouse. So thank you again, Tim. You always provide great insights on this kind of stuff. So just to sort of jump in, we're going to look at some of the top teams, cores, items, that sort of thing. Not necessarily get into a great deal, a great detail about them, but just to talk about them on a higher level. So John, I will let you start. What do you think sort of like stands out to you? Maybe either the the top Pokemon by usage or the the pairs that we're seeing, perhaps? If you look at the common cores on Archgrid, it's number eight, the Chianpao, Dragonite, Fluttermane, Heatran, Rillaboom, Urshi, Water Core. That's what Marco Fierro used to win, I think, the last Nino Tour. It was either the Nino Tour, the, uh, no, it was, it was the Nino Tour, not the VR Tour. But it's like Pownite, but with balance, mm -hmm. which is, I think, the the meta innovation that people were waiting to happen. Because Pownite is really cool, but uh, it's really hard to come back from a bad lead. But if you back up the rest of the team with a bunch of flexibility and some ability to switch around, then it becomes like a lot more skillful of a team, which I think is pretty cool. And Kazuki, the guy who won it, is using Moon Moon Balance, so Cresselia and Ursaluna. But instead of a Heatran, he has a Lando T. So you've got the ability to do some like intimidating and some U-turning and some like actually defensive switching with intimidate on the team versus Heatran, which kind of just sits and hopes to do some sub lefty stuff. And this Lando has a choice scarf with Terror Blast, Terror Blast flying, and it has Rock Tomb, which I think is pretty cool for your speed control because you normally have like the trick room stuff, but you don't have that much in the way of reducing speed. So if you want to like, I don't know, rock tomb another flutter main, now you have the opportunity to do that, which I think is cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that pairs well with the, did you say the earth, uh, did you mention the earthquake on Ursaluna with the, uh, with the Lando and the crest? Oh no. Um, like no, no headlong rush with like facade earthquake bulk up and protect, which is, which is kind of neat with that flame orb. So, and the terror type poison, which is interesting for certainly the, it's like the, the fighting resistance, obviously, but then you still get the, the ground resist or the ground weakness which is an interesting decision there but you also get the the fairy resist which is probably a major bonus there for sure what about you will what stands out to to you because i think that i think john you hit a lot of stuff that i definitely want to get into a little bit yeah i was going to comment on the rock tomb lando t but john took that already i think that's a cool tech um one thing that was interesting to me about the winning team was that some of the terror types were a little surprising. It was Terra Poison Ursaluna, which I haven't seen before. That's kind of cool. And also Terra Grass Fluttermane, which I have I ran that in like regulation B, but I haven't seen it at all since then. That's a cool terror type. It's like pretty good defensively just with all the Urshifu running around. You have the Amunga Spore immunity, which is really nice. I also know that Ursaluna has Earthquake here, so it might be nice just to like be willing to tank an Earthquake and just do Earthquake Gleam if you don't feel like protecting. So that looked pretty cool to me. Mm -hmm. um, aside from the winning team, I, there were a lot of interesting mods and combinations that I haven't really seen before in this tournament, which is really cool. Like the second place team has a Glade. There's Solo Dozo, which we've seen pop up a little bit that finished fifth. There's a Galarian Moltres in seventh, which has been a uh, controversial Pokemon. Cleaver is also on that team, which we haven't seen a ton of success with. 
So seeing like a little more innovation than we're used to, I feel like here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the I think the innovation definitely does stick out. the The team that came in fifth that had that solo dozo. Uh, it's the combination of Don Dozo with Ting Lu that we saw on was was it Marco's team? That it was won? Alex Gomez. Alex, Alex Go Gomez. You're right. Yeah, Pokey Alex that won NAIC. And uh, but it's it's then surrounding it with Rapid Strike Urshifu. Chanpao, Rillaboom, and Goldango. So it's kind of an interesting way that, like, when I'm looking at it, it's kind of like you can utilize the Sand Tomb both to pair with the Yawn if you want to, but also just to lock in something with these then four big hitters in Chanpao, Urshifu, Goldango, and Rillaboom. And there's just a lot of synergy there, even though you you have, you know, like, two water types. You don't have a necessarily a Dragonite, but it's it's like... It's an interesting it's an interesting team that has a lot of different modes, it looks like, on how it wants to beat you, whether it's gonna be big damage in like nasty plot and uh like choice scarf stuff, or it's like, you know, or it can just like whittle you down as well and then just have like mop up duty in the back. It's 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 really looks really cool for sure. I think another team that people might want to watch out for is the um the hard trick room team that Angelo Hunter ran. I think they got 14th and when i say when i say hard trick room i mean like super hard trick room because you have enamorous theory the turtle one oranguru mousehold choice band hisui arcanine power belt urshifu dark and power band bruxish so the idea with this team is that your oranguru is going to be like your trick room setter but sometimes bruxish can do it as well your mousehold Next to either of those mons makes them super bulky because they have friend guard. You can slow U-turn out and get your trick room center up super quickly. And then you can start spamming instruct fairy moves with enamorous, or you can like super fang with Bruxish plus choice specs, whatever into your opponent to just completely clean out your opponent under trick room. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that is a wild team. I'm, I, I just clicked on it because I saw... Oh, some interesting mods. They're all, all connected to each other. I haven't seen Population Bomb on a mousehold in a very long time. Yeah, the idea with that is just to clean out stuff that you can. But mouse, so U-turn mousehold is a tech that basically solves the issue of wasting that first turn of Trick Room, trying to like switch into your Trick Room Sweeper mm -hmm. um, by like giving you the bulk you need to set up Trick Room while also um, letting you get some momentum into your Trick Room setter. Right. So it's kind of like the Incineroar with Parting Shot that used to be on Trick Room teams. Mousehold is just doing that again. Gotcha. So if you're looking to do hard Trick Room and don't want to play Psy Spam, this Mousehold, Oranguru, Bruxish, or Ferrigraph stuff, Bruxish is kind of better for the Super Fang. But those three are really, really nice. Yeah. Interesting. That's Yeah, that's that's quite the creative team, for sure. What about you, Tyler? What, uh, what sticks out to you from some of the information that we see here uh, from Nino's store? Sorry, I forgot to say words because John always lays it super thick on like the knowledge base. It's really, really nice to just listen to him. So like none of like the the pairings or the cores really stick out to me because it's just all what we the same stuff pretty much that we've been seeing since Reg D opened. Like, you know, your flutter mains are shifus, your your flutters and torns, your you know, chimpows flutters. Like it's it's kind of all that same stuff. But like what I'm really enjoying seeing from this tournament, especially 
is the amount of variety that people kind of incorporated into their teams that was different from even just last week. Like the like the evolution with the way things are going as everyone's headed towards worlds. Like I'm imagining this massive collision of players, you know, from all over the place that are going to be bringing things that they're comfortable with first and foremost, but also like some crazy, crazy stuff. I'm seeing a lot more iron bundles in this go round than I did last week. Um, there's a lot more priority blockage in um, Bruxius and Serena and things of that nature. I'm seeing, oh, I think you mentioned the Glade, Will. I think I, Glade's so fun. I, I love anytime you can put a, uh, a reg game on in there. Like you, you're just, you're having a good time. Um, and they got second place. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, I mean, honestly, is more so than just this stuff. Like, I'm I'm excited for what's to come. Like, we're we're just constantly seeing people shift things up and change and make small shifts in their in their game plans. And I'm really excited for the culmination of all of these things. Yeah, I think what sticks out to me is how even just looking between Nino's tournament from or number seventy to number seventy one, how some of the usage rates are changing. Uh, Rillaboom is one in particular that I continue to see creep up and up in usage, especially on these top teams, which I know it's a very good Pokemon and that's certainly nothing new, but like it was at 23% last uh, in a tournament or tournament number 70. It's now at 28% in number 71 and Flutter main usage is coming down even just slightly. Urshifu is going up a little bit. Uh, Amoongus went down dramatically, down from, it was at 34% in tournament number 70, down to 27% in 71. So I'm curious if Rillaboom is going to really take over that slot as sort of like the de facto or the preferred fake out user. Because even when you look at Iron Hands, it was at 34% in Nino's number 70 tour and then down to 29%. So it's like Rillaboom's continuing to eat up some of that that usage from Iron Hands. And it's that's the what's getting the assault vest because it does things a little bit differently, but because of the added passive benefit of grassy terrain it might be better for a lot of people than something like Iron Hands or another grass type like Amoongus because it offers great utility in addition to being just a very strong Pokemon that is able to switch in, switch out, fake out, and deal big damage and also not get completely obliterated by Fluttermane. Rillaboom is just the grass type that Iron Hands has always wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, because it, it always goes Terra Grass and Rillaboom doesn't have to do that. It's able to tear away from that if it wants to. But yeah, um, other things on here of note, going from the common cores, looking at uh, even just, like I said, number 70 to number 71, the Trick Room core that was very common, which w- w- that was featuring Iron Hands, Ursa Luna, and Cresselia was all over the common cores for from Nino's tournament uh, two weeks ago. With, you know, even at the highest of 45 teams brought the Moon Moon team down to not a single, not, you know, less than 
less than 10, I guess, had the Cresselia plus Iron Hands plus Ursaluna. So it's like, it's interesting to me that it falls off to such a degree, but then that team wins, you know? So like, is it just, is it really just going to be a timing thing of when to run a moon, moon balance trick room style team? Or is it just going to be like, you just got to figure out what works the best. It's probably one of those. It's one of the teams that you can have pretty even matchups into the whole metagame. And it's just up to you to play your difference, your way through your tournament, right? Because balanced teams do really well because you can make Pokemon more into a game of chess rather than into a game of like type matchups and RNG and all this other stuff. And so it's just like, oh yeah, another balanced team wins another tournament. Like that makes sense. It should make sense because hyper offense is really easy to deal with in this format. Yeah, right. There's very few things they're just getting one shot at this point because of how much bulk and damage mitigation is out there. Yeah, or you can just make good defensive switches, right? Like I can do a flare bits, flare blitz with a choice band Hisui Arcanine that can go right into a Heatran. And then I just burn that turn. Exactly. Okay. Uh Will or Tyler, any final thoughts on Nino's number seventy one? Everyone did a really good job. <laughs> We're so Except for the people that dropped. Never drop from a tournament. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, so if you have like a legitimate reason to drop, by all means, but like get like get don't don't drop because you think you're like you're failing or you're not good or you you're hating, you know, like get the experience, like really zone in and pay attention on like what things you're actually, you know, losing against and just make improvements that way. Um like when I played in Charlotte, like I didn't dude, I did not drop at all. Like after round Oh, six or seven. I knew I wasn't going to make a day two, but I was like, let's just play out the rest of this day. This is my first tournament. I want to get all of the experience that I can get. And, you know, you, you improve because of that. Yeah. Get your money's worth. Get your practice in. Like any experience is good experience. Even if you're not going to top cut, it's still worth your time. All right. Well, another fantastic tournament put on by Nino. I continue to enjoy watching these and seeing how even just within this little microcosm, of vgc the meta is being built so definitely be staying up to date on those if nothing else because they do call, bring out the the best players as we see like you know joe ux9 was in there uh and several others that were streaming it and playing so always cool to watch so for many players that have been able to get enough championship points over the course of the last several months they are on their way to Yokohama, Japan. Some may even already be there in order to participate in the World Championships. But for some, what do they do? What are you going to do? If, if you're not going to Worlds, are you still going to play VGC? Are you not? Are you going to coaching? Are you just going like, to just play by yourself? You can do ladder, best of three. There's a whole lot to do. So... I wanted to check in with you all to see what exactly you are going to be doing during these next several months, because I think for a good portion of our listeners, they are in a similar boat. So with that being said, our question of the day, which I am putting here early in the episode, so please do send us an email to trainersschoolpodcast at gmail.com. What are you currently doing now instead of prepping for Worlds? Or if you are prepping for Worlds, good luck.
and let us know how that's going. But yeah, guys, um, we have Worlds in, what, three weeks or something like that, which is wild that it's going to be here soon for many people. It just is another three weeks of just like watching and enjoying and leading up to it. But there's a lot that you could be doing or or not could be doing. So I kind of have it broken out into a couple different ways to think at it. Like think about it. I kind of have it like you're staying in VGC or you're staying in Pokemon or you're just doing other stuff entirely. So I guess I'll just take a step back and just kind of ask you guys like, Will, what are you doing? right now leading up to worlds kind of touched on a little bit but i'm curious yeah i kind of touched on it earlier um i'm trying to stay involved and knowledgeable and i don't want to take a full break because it'll be tough to pick it back up again so i'm following along all the tournaments and meta changes and stuff i'm watching everyone's replays that they're posting i'm playing like i said the bare minimum to hit my master ball so it's easy to hit master ball again next month type of thing and otherwise i've been playing a lot of marvel snap um a completely different game but that's been a nice way to kind of occupy my time and scratch a little bit of the same itch of that competitive strategy game so i've been putting more time into that lately very cool i've heard about marvel snap that you can play it entirely without having to spend any money but then it gets to a point where you kind of want to because you want those cool shiny cards yeah i've only spent money one single time i bought one season pass last month because it was all spider-man themed and i really like spider-man Nice. So that was the one time so far. Otherwise, I've been playing for not quite a year, but a good amount of time. I don't know, like eight to ten months. And I've only spent $10 on it. So I've definitely gotten my money's worth. Okay, that is pretty good. That kind of changed my mind a little bit. Tyler, what about you? Now you're doing some draft league stuff. And I see you some, you know, some ladder replays every once in a while. But what are you doing leading up to Worlds? Where are you at on the spectrum of things? I'm just, I'm just out here doing my best. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like we've been we've been pretty busy with draft league. Um, we're kind of like we're kind of like in the the half season right now, so it's it's team based. So you know, it's 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 two people get to draft a team together, and um, I think there's 16 teams total, and we've got like a six week long draft season. Um, we're all just battling it out, and it's it's so much fun. Um, I'm so glad I jumped on the bandwagon when I first joined uh, the trainer school. So it's it's a really good time. Um, yeah, I I have been laddering, like I said earlier, um, and then like you just mentioned, just a little bit. Um, you've seen a couple of my replays. Um, <laughs> there was there was a pretty substantial amount of time in Reg D where like I had no clue what on earth I wanted to do um, because I'm still like I would say fairly new to VGC, so I'm kind of developing my skill set a little bit, and you know an important part of skill set uh, is team building uh which i'm not great at so what i thought would be a fun puzzle challenge for me to do was try to take last year's world's teams and try to reg deify them and so i took david kutesh's 2022 world's team um that they ran and i reg deified it uh it was actually it was working on ladder for a little while it was a lot of fun um, I had I had to give it up though because it was it was time to to actually reg deify myself and actually you know get a hold of them. <laughs> but it had some pretty cool things. Um, give me one second. I'm going to pull it up. So and was that just like something that you were just like these teams won worlds and I want to know why. So I want to figure out what are 
uh, similar pieces to them? Or were you just like, or was there some sort of other impetus behind this? Well, I mean, I would, I would argue that like winning worlds or getting close to winning worlds or placing in top 16 or whatever is like, it's almost less about the actual team itself and more about the player and how they play the team. Mm -hmm. But no, it was, it was honestly just a puzzle challenge, something to get my brain going. Okay. I, you know, I looked at, you know, you know, David's team in particular, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, like clearly, you know, Yveltal isn't in this format right now, but we do have Galarian Moltres. And so like, I can build it in a similar way. You know, we, we have, Gyarados, like a like a, an offensive Gyarados. We have, you know, a bulky Thunderous. We have that. We have, you know, Choice Band Landorus. Um, we don't have Ferrothorn. That's not in the game right now. But you know what we do have is a Rocky Helmet Gudra that does kind of similarly to what Ferrothorn does. I mean, the whole point of Ferrothorn on that team was just to like just leech seed and stay alive and just take a lot of like passive damage away from the opponent. And then obviously there was a Dialga there and we're not anywhere close to that format yet. So I threw Heatran on there and I made it terrifying. And so it couldn't be touched by earthquakes and things that normally would have um, hurt it. Cause I, um, what Dialga has telepathy as a tin ability, right? If I'm remembering correctly. The, uh, yes. Again, yeah, yeah. it can be damaged by, by uh, allies. Correct. Yep. So that was what I wanted to do. And I just wanted to see how it would work on ladder. Okay. Is the answer. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it was, it was a really good time. Um, so, you know, you mentioned uh, like letter teams and stuff like that. That was like my version of a letter team. Just, just something to get the brain going. Yeah. And I think that's why I enjoy doing the word team. Like for, for those that were curious, I use the word cucked, right? So I had Chen Pao, Urshifu, <laughs> King Gambit and Amorous and Dragonite. So it's basically a, cha- a Pow Knight team with Urshifu and King Gambit and then a little bit of a Trick Room team. But it was fun to fun to be restricted to those letters and be like, how can I make this work in this meta? You know, or similar to what you were doing, Tyler, with like, how can I not only make it work, but also keep it similar or true to what had been done before? You know, so... I think that's that's a neat way to to stay into it because we're all kind of doing something different. And I also want to want to ask you, John, because you did some coaching, and that kind of the way that you went into it, your mindset was what inspired me to talk about this because I thought that it was really interesting how you looked at it because you're not going to worlds. I don't necessarily hear too much about you, you know, playing in team-based draft leagues or online tournaments or anything, except for like, I think you are in the OPL, but you're like, I want to do coaching because I want to get something very specific out of it. So like, what was that and how'd you get into it? Yeah. So background with the coaching thing was um, I'm in the OPL league, which is this team-based draft league in the sense where uh, you, not the Pokemon, but the players themselves are drafted onto these like teams. So it's like, the Denver Broncos or the New York Jets or whatever, like you draft physical people on each of those teams and then different like single players on each of the teams will play each other. And then, you know, majority wins each division. So I'm in like the second division where people didn't have to pay for me. They just, it's kind of like dodgeball pick, pick people up. But my team's coach Cortex, uh, who goes by Nathan, who 
he's Cortex Online, Nathan Ortiz, IRL, was like, hey, I'm doing coaching to like help me get to Worlds. Um, but his ethos with coaching was, first, I want to make sure that we just do one session and that you don't have to book with me again because I give you my process um, for team building. I was like, uh, that's kind of my philosophy with tutoring. So let's do it. But I was also wanting to just review how to team build well so that in, because I'm preparing to go to a regulation E event, which is at the front of that format. So I want to know like when that format drops, like how do I approach that? But he also had some like data stuff. So going into Picolytics, going into Pokemon Home, going to VGC data, using Lab Mouse, using Limitless, using this spreadsheet tool called PASRS Passers, which actually just had a new version update um, that is in our uh, main VGC trainer school server. So using like all these tools to help once you've already built your team, it says, okay, how good is my team into the metagame, right? But what was really cool about that coaching session was he kind of showed me his process of, okay, I want to understand the metagame. So look at some really big tourneys and then try to self-categorize stuff into distinct archetypes, into these distinct buckets so that I can take all this information and make it really simple for myself to understand so that when I'm team building, I'm not trying to counter like five, 600 mons. I'm only trying to answer, you know, four or five different kinds of teams because if you could have four or five different strategies, then you are a lot more flexible and it's a lot easier to team build for that, right? And then he went into stuff like, are you a proactive versus a reactive player? So a proactive person would be the guy who is setting up Tailwind the first turn and then you know clicking choice ban outrage, right? Like you are making the opponent respond to you. A reactive player might be the person who leads with Arcanine and Moongus and then like switches out 5 million times until they get into a good position with their opponent with like, you know, minus three drops on everything and half of the team's asleep because they're saying, I, I don't necessarily have a defined strategy to take over your team, but I can get you out of position so that I can take key KOs. And so that was cool to to, to both team build according to the meta, but also say, okay, you have different ways to react to the metagame. And I realized, hey, I'm a pretty proactive person. I like to um, be forward with whatever strategy I'm doing. And so we built, we got to edit some teams like that. Yeah, so as Jake said, I'm kind of like more in tune with the metagame. I'm like not really doing tournaments that often because I'm just not able to with time commitment and work stuff, but I am laddering here and there. Just trying to figure out, you know, what teams I really gravitate toward and then how do I use those teams to respond to a variety of different strategies, right? So taking your team and then playing the chess with it. And I also knew with coaching, I was not coming to Cortex trying to work on my play. I was not trying to figure out how to play Pokemon chess better. I was just trying to learn how to team build better. So if you're looking to get coaching, I would recommend saying beforehand, what do I want to get out of this? And then try to do research on coaches who address that kind of thing. Like Paul Chua, for example, who won uh, EUIC this year, tells you on his page that he sucks at team building and he's going to help you with battling, which is great. But other people like Cortex are much better at team building and are going to focus on that aspect. So make sure that you pick your coach for the goal that you want to accomplish and also know that 
a bunch, the benefit of coaching comes not from the session itself, but from practicing what you get from the session, right? So it does no good for me to just go to Cortex, sit down on Zoom for an hour or Discord chat for an hour and do nothing with it, right? I need to actually practice it. So I've already done uh, some practice with a couple other people already. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can do this process. So when Reggie comes around, I feel a lot more confident that I can build my own teams. Yeah. And that feels like a level of coaching that is like really helps you to get your money's worth because they're giving you the tools to be able to actually do something with it, as opposed to some coaching that I've heard of kind of just like helps you with one specific team or like gives you a specific team and is like, Hey, just use this. And that doesn't necessarily help you with like the, the mentality of team building or going into a battle or something. It's more so just helping you with in that short term, as opposed to seems like what you got was more long-term stuff, which is great. And I'd almost be rather more willing to go back to somebody who does that because it feels like I'm going to continue to get more information as opposed to just like one-off assistance, you know? Exactly. Right. And, you know, I, I know that Cortex can provide some team building help if I'm like, Hey, I did this, but like, I'm thinking through these options, like which ones do you think might be best? And what was cool is that we, when we did some of that together at the end, I provided some examples of some Pokemon that can help finish out the team I was working on. He was like, Oh yeah, those, those could work. And his mindset is very open-minded, right? He's not going to, he wants to lay out all the options and then start ticking them off one by one rather than ticking them one one by one uh, as we're trying to build, right? Because sometimes you just need to put all the Legos on the table to realize, oh, I actually do want the pink Lego rather than the red Lego, right? Yeah, so that's what I, I'm the person who like tries to self-critique everything I do as I do it. And so being able to put all the options on the table and then see everything from a big perspective before crossing stuff out is so, so great. And it was also like $30, which is a steal for yes. that kind of information. Yes. Is coaching, at least from, from what we've seen, the various people have done it, it ranges from what, like 20 bucks to like up to $80 or something like that for, for some people. Yeah. Uh, Wolf wild. goes up to 150, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you can definitely get some, some good information for a pretty, pretty good discount there, which is nice. So what do you think, what, what are some like advice that, you guys would give to listener listeners who are like, I want to make the best use of my time right now in preparation for regulation E or later, since we do have the dates for some of those upcoming, upcoming tournaments of what you could potentially be doing. What would you say is like a good way to, to go about handling these next few months prior to those tournaments starting up for 2024? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I said, hey, I want to go to this Reg E event. I want to go to Peoria in October, right? So that gives me a defined goal to work toward to work towards. And I know that for an event, I want best of three experience. I want team building experience and I want battling experience. And so like for me, it's to find the goal and then uh, simply summarize like what does it mean to attain or work toward that goal? And then I could say, oh, well, if I want to get better, if I want to work toward this, I just need to do one of those three things. So best of three experience means getting in tournaments that does best of three stuff, right? And then battling experience is getting on the ladder and just battling with the same team without edits. And team building is just, you know, I have an idea. Let's let's flesh it out, right? That's good. 
to go into like that's an option to check out some coaching for something very specific that you want to do and try to come at it from like a how can I pick this person's brain on what they what they do for their mindset and stuff. Nice. Okay. Will or or Tyler, what would you sort of say to someone if they're like not quite sure what to do right now? Um, I really like John's answer. I think a good way to approach it is like goal-based, like he was saying. And what are you trying to do? What do you want to improve on? I know a lot of people are like really trying to read into the Reg D meta and figure out you know, what is the team to use in Reg D. I have personally not really been doing that because that's not that important to me. I'm not really going to play much in Reg D and I'm focusing a little bit more on battling rather than team building when I play. So that's not as useful for my time personally. So for me, if I were going to spend time playing right now, it would be more just like battling and battling practice. And that's always going to be useful regardless of which regulation you're in, because that's just like a skill, like a muscle that you're kind of exercising. So I think that's the thing that's always worth doing. But if you're focusing on team building and your goals, I really want to build a, uh, learn how to be a better team builder, then maybe this is a good time to like experiment with that. Build teams, see what works, try something new, build that, iterate on it, try another idea, and you can kind of, exercise that muscle that way too. Yeah, I think I think setting up goals is is important, yeah, because it does it does make you determine for yourself what you are trying to accomplish in the in the coming months, you know, is it's like are you just trying to get better? Are you actually trying to compete for day 2s or top 8s or the championship of, of a regional or you know internationals or whatever? And make those goals be realistic and something that you can actually measure to see that you're getting, you're going forward to them. Some of the old heads that might be incorporated are probably familiar with like smart goals, you know, yep, have it, there it is. <laughs> something that, that you can definitively track and make that it's actionable and as timely that you have an idea of how long you want it to actually take and stuff. So I think that's, that's a good way to look at it. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, we've we've been darting around smart goals this entire time. Uh, <laughs> they work. It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk about goals, but goodness gracious, I don't think there's a point now. Um, you know, but but I will say, you know, a- along with those goals, like like don't give up on yourself. I know right now, especially in Reg D, things can seem like initially very overwhelming. Um, especially leading up to worlds we're like, we're not really sure how the meta is going to pan out. We're kind of seeing trends. We're seeing the way, you know, sh- shifts are being made. Um, but like, we're not really sure definitively just yet. Right. And like, I, I don't want to say this, but I feel like it's only going to get worse from here in the sense of like, it's going to become more chaotic as like more Pokemon get introduced. So if you're the type of person that struggles mentally, with Pokemon and competition, because that is in its base form what this is. Like, like don't don't surrender to the madness. Find something that pushes you to con- want to continue to do this because it, it is a lot of fun and it is very calming and uh comforting for some people to have this space and this environment and these people and these friends to do these things with and if you and if you don't have a group like that you know come come find us you're always welcome to come be with us we can be that type of group for you um we we tend to lean lean on each other a lot 
in these situations. Um, I, I can't even tell you how many times John has helped me just even, you know, prep with the team, just if, with, with EVs or like, you know, Pokemon choices or whatever it may be. Like, like we all need those, those people to lean on and to help us, you know, Pokemon is never a one man show. Uh, we're all in this together. So yeah, that's really all I wanted to say. Okay, cool. I think for me, since you guys all said that, I think, I think I'm going to tell somebody, you know what? Take these next three take weeks. A dirty word. Take take these next three word. weeks and just do dumb shit on the ladder. That's what I'm going to say. Just go out there and just try to make really degenerate stuff because that's going to force you to get in a creative space that you've probably never been in before. Or if you are constantly in that space, try and make really meta teams and go, go on the ladder. Like just try and step outside your comfort zone. Try to build stuff and and make teams that you've never made before and force yourself to learn that different style. Like if there's a Pokemon that you constantly see in like the top 10 in usage that you've never tried, build a team around it or at least feature it. Like if you're someone like myself, I never really used a Moongus. I realize I'm an idiot for saying that, but like I never really used it prior to Gen 9. And now it's on, you know, 60% of the teams that I build because it's just so good. And I didn't really, and I didn't never really realized it. So you're only going to better yourself if you are able to understand if, if if nothing else at least understand what everything does and all the various different archetypes of teams whether it is balance or trick room or tailwind or hyper offense or bulky offense or you know whatever that flamigo belly drum anger point nonsense is try all of it and and see what what works what you didn't expect to work i don't know i think that there's there's something there to be learned about like stepping outside of the of the player that you are now and see what player you want to become, you know, and what you could be. And Jake, speaking of uh, fun teams that you could try, mm-hmm. did you know that because Lunar Dance is a dance move, that the ability on Oriokorio, which is called Dancer, will copy it. So what you can do is skill swap Dancer from your Oriokorio to the <laughs> opponent <laughs> And click Lunar Dance, which will cause your opponent to uh, KO themselves. I love that. And also, uh, Alolan Muck, because it came out in Reg D as well, has the ability Power of Alchemy, Mm -hmm. which says that if your partner Pokemon is KO'd, then uh, Muck will take their ability. So you can get yourself a Moody Glalie or a Moody Scovillain. Uh, Scovillain is a bit better um, because it can do Rage Powder and like get the opponent to try to kill it. Right. Um, and then Muck can minimize itself so that you can't hit it. And eventually after 20 bazillion Moody boosts, um, it's, you know, you just can't do any damage to it. And then you can just like pester people on the ladder because what you can switch in right after that is Flamigo. <laughs> and Flamigo can co-star copy all those boosts and then just sweep the opponent. I think I'm going to edit out that last 30 seconds because that I think is even too villainous to uh, to, to like to release to the masses. But that sounds so, pretty. That sounds pretty crazy. First, I heard take risks, and then I heard do crimes. That was the follow up. Exactly. 
And if you have shiny Pokemon, you'll look pretty well doing it. Yeah, that's 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 the other thing. Take some time, go get some of those herbs that they've just been given out at the end of seasons and go shiny hunting. It's super easy. I'm not a shiny hunter up until this gen, but it's been great to get something and be like, oh, you know what? I do want a shiny Palafin. Other than that, do stuff outside of Pokemon, you know, uh, do like participate in some other metagames, whether it's like like Showdown has a ton of stuff that is that I've never really explored until you know recently. Like there's not fully evolved or NFE formats. There are there's like Little Cup, which you know Salty Dolphin had his ladder tournament this past weekend, which was fun to check in on. Uh, Hisuian Voltorb is particularly nasty in Little Cup. There's like almost any ability, anything goes. What's that one where it's like a Pokemon can use any known move from? It's type lineage or something like that. Like there's uh, all kinds stat of like, mons. Yeah. yeah, there's like all kinds of weird stuff that you can run. I don't know. I think that like that kind of stuff could be fun to like test out with. And also, you know, do some fun stuff where you're like, if there's a friend of yours that you've been team building with and you just sort of text back and forth, get on the get on the phone with them or get in Discord and like and ladder together while you share screens and like talk about it as you go. I, I learned a lot doing that. We've done it a couple of times. And then like built teams while we were doing it. And I've always had a blast doing it. I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. Or you can finally finish Tears of the Kingdom. Or you can even play basketball in it. Because you can make a little contraption with a little hoop and like throw stuff into it. Oh, that's good. Because I hate going outside. (laughs) Or you could just get a job and work. I'm joking. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cut that that part. No, no working here. None of us wants to do that. Nope. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much, guys. I do appreciate it. Uh, We'll say our goodbyes and start with you, John. RIP Wide League. (sighs) Yeah. The gaming community deserves better. Will? Uh, Gaming community has better. Thank you, Nino. And also our own tournaments at the BGC Trainer School. Absolutely. And Tyler? It's time to dip out of this podcast. Let's get out of here. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Have a great rest of your day. Class dismissed.